You're listening to Tabletop Arcanum, a podcast dedicated to learning and exploring the hobby of tabletop gaming. Your hosts are Justin Taylor and Richard Geese, so sit back and relax as we talk, discuss, and joke our way through the hobby we love so much. Well, Purgy's Night, Maze Eve, is always a nightmare in Witch Hunted Arkham. There are bad doings, and a child or two frequently go missing. This year, Miskatonic University students engaged in occult studies have been turning up dead. Arca Police, in deference to your unusual expertise, have asked for your help to get to the root of the matter. Time is of the essence. After Walpurgis Night, the trail will grow cold, and the culprits will retreat to the shadows until the next Witch's Sabbath, when the next cycle of deaths will begin. As private investigator Howard Lovecraft, you will investigate events based on the stories The Dreams in the Witch House, The Thing on the Doorstep, and The Unnameable. Welcome to Tabletop Arcanum. We're your hosts, Justin and Ricky. And as you can tell from my rambling, we're going to be talking about uh, Arkham Noir. Arkham Noir. Arkham Noir. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. So, yeah, new, um, not really new, new game, but definitely new-ish. Mm-hmm. It's been around for a little bit. I think it came out 2017. MSRP is what, like, running around like 20? Not even. Yeah. Really. Um, it's a small solo box card game, which is kind of why we did it. And uh, a little bit different. So, uh, before we really dive into Arkham Noir and what our thoughts and feelings are on it, let's go into our wall recap. What do you got? I got a lot of this. And then other than that, unfortunately, since it's been... We just had uh, the Oscars this past Sunday. Um, I have been doing a lot of... Movie watching? Prepping, yeah, for that. Okay. Uh, me and my girlfriend have been just watching nothing but movies. And she doesn't want to play any Harry Potter while watching a movie because she has to be very focused on it. Hmm. Interesting, right? Yes, yeah. very. Great. I've slowed down the last two weeks, personally, myself. Um, got a... Because it was like a whirlwind of gaming and then um, work and other things popped up. So um, kicked off the Eberron uh, D&D campaign, continued the Otter Deep Dragon Heist game. Um, got some uh, Marvel Champions with... Uh, the other goblin scenario, so it comes with two, the green goblin comes with a full goblin mode, and then a version that is Norman slash goblin. Um, so it's like two different scenarios in the same box. Mm-hmm. Um, so we got to play the other half of the of that box last week. Um, played some Pandemic Legacy Season Two. Uh, got through a couple more months of that. Still have a little bit more to go, but uh, things are dialing up into the crazy levels there. Um, a couple friends of mine and I uh, worked to puzzle out the game Checkpoint, which is all about reading very carefully, and if you miss up something, even if it looks like a th- toss-away line or rule, you've already gone too far and ruined the game and messed up and losing points. And it's kind of a golf low score is good score. Mm. So gaining points is bad. Um, in... Preparation for um, Game of Thrones Worlds during the LCG night this last week. Um, most of the Games of Thrones members or LCG members were practicing for Worlds. 
those who were not going for worlds, we ran through a solo uh, standalone scenario of Lord of the Rings, the card game. Mm. Had a lot of fun with that. Um, pretty much ransacked a dwarven ruins in for search of a treasure, but a dragon was chasing us the entire time. And then Gimli went ham on that dragon once we could. And uh, yeah, that Gimli and that dragon, man, that that was a tale to tell. Don't 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 miss up. Don't mess with them. Um, and then actually, what's more fun was the. Playtest opportunity that I uh, had last weekend, which was the kickstarted game called Legacies uh, by Jason Brooks. Um, he's a local Chicagoan like we are. So he came out to the store with a couple of our other connected individuals, and we played a six player version playtesting it for him, kind of stress test some of the changes he made before it goes into full production. Because the Kickstarter is over, but the pledge manager will open soon. Mm hmm. Um, but he's still kind of tweaking um, some clarifications, some card balancing here and there just to make sure it runs smoothly. Mm. Uh, so with six players, we, we kind of did what we could with it. It's very icon heavy. It's a medium medium to heavy weight. Um, I've played heavier games than this. There are way heavier games than this. But it's definitely on the far end of medium. Mm. You know, medium well. Yeah. Um, Toasty. Yeah. Which isn't a bad thing. It's, um, there's a lot of gears, lots of things, are puzzle pieces are moving around. And the whole idea is you play, um, it's over, th uh, the game takes place over 300 years. There's essentially six total rounds each. Every two rounds is a new era. Um, but each round is essentially like a 50 year span generation. Mm -hmm. And you play successors to your, uh, your main character so you have these relationships and you build the successors and they give you different powers as you go on um, so lots of neat stuff going on into it um, I did end up squeaking past a victory I was doing pretty okay in the first half of the uh, first quarter of the game fell behind in the midpoint and then a couple things lined up where I was able to make uh, money worth victory points at the end um, through an end game scoring mechanic which normally is not always the case, and was able to just generate income and become literally like famous by being just rich. Yeah, which fair made enough. me win. Yeah. So it was one of those like I didn't see it coming. It kind of fell into my lap, um, and if it wasn't for that, I would not have won. I probably would have been last. So it it's got a little bit more fine tuning to go, but I it it's got some bones that are are pretty solid in that game. I, I do appreciate it for that. Um, the art in it is really neat for what is already out, but there's a, we didn't get to see a lot of it because there's a lot of pending portraits and things mm. uh, on the characters, but it's all like sketch art, which is really cool. That's really little, cool. A little different yeah. to see. Uh, early, like, like early 1900s looking. Mm -hmm. And I know you uploaded a picture of that to our Instagram, yep. Twitter, mm -hmm. everything like that. So mm -hmm. if you guys want to take a look at that, make sure to stop on over there. Hey, you, it's always going to be Tabletop Arcanum, anywhere you go. Yep. That's us. Um, and, yeah, we'll be in probably touch with Jason to, to, you know, give you further updates, like when the pledge manager might go up again. If mm. In case you do want to jump in on it and you miss the, the Kickstarter itself, you can at least still jump in and get it. Mm. Um, that's it. And then Arkham Noir to, to kind of fill and round out the other edges. Yeah. And other than that, gaming news, 
that we did or gaming stuff that we did. We got our rooms for Gen Con. Yep. We will be there. Gen, um, Gen Con is uh, a fun, fun housing nightmare. Yeah. Um, we had um, a few separate people get earlier times. I think our times were just stupid late. I think mine was like after 8 p.m. And mm-hmm. at that point, there's nothing. There's no reason to log on. Um, but we have friends, and I think your wife got uh, something earlier in the day. Yeah. So we, we, we got some, we got rooms. Um, for anyone who is looking to go to Gen Con, if you were like us originally, where we got late, um, late uh, time slots, Time slots. make sure just to keep logging on, especially um, there's a cutoff date. Um, I believe it's in June. It was in June last year. Yeah, there's going to be a cutoff date where people have to either decide they want to keep the room or get rid of it. Right. Um, and if they get, without being charged the for a full night. night. Yeah. Um, so definitely keep checking, especially around then, because mm-hmm. that's when people finally say, okay, we have too many rooms or well, I can't make it or right. whatever. So Yeah, and it's one of the things, just keep checking and, and better rooms or different rooms will open up from time to time as people cancel the reservation move around or, move or around consolidate or yeah there's a lot of moving pieces or other rooms get un, uh, unlocked too essentially mm-hmm. because they thought um, they were going to need extra ones and a lot of it comes down to is blocking for um vendors and retailers and mm-hmm. and, and other attendees so once they kind of dialed that in a little bit better i know they some of those rooms that are sometimes reserved for those will fall into the regular housing portal. So mm-hmm. just keep checking. Uh, if you didn't get anything, that's actually one of the best things. Just kind of stock it, check it from uh, day to day or every couple of days. Yeah, and you'll never know what you'll pop up. Yeah, last year we went from being about like seven miles away to to attached to the convention center. Yeah, just because I randomly logged in on in in June and just so happened to find something nice. So. All right, but like we said at the top of the uh, episode, we are here to talk about Arkham Noir. Indeed. First impressions, Justin. How do you feel about this? It's a gritty-looking art style, which I do appreciate. It's, mm-hmm. It does capture the noir feel, um, cr- grimy detective look on the cover. The cards and the card art is all black and white. Mm-hmm. Um, um, it's like the patina... Like uh, aged, yep. Uh, it looks like uh, you know the the paper on it has been aged. Mm-hmm. Um, very sketchy style and very icon heavy. It's it, there's very little reading you need to do. It's mm-hmm. all icons on the cards. There's mostly um, no reading to do. Yeah, which is I mean, so it's still, it's still yeah. Um, another thing that I kind of liked as a first impression on it. Um, was all the reference cards that literally tell you all the different like this is step one this is step two of your turn mm-hmm. kind of lay out your board and everything kind of flows into it so we have a criticism about that piece but yeah the fact that it literally like okay here's card one your discard stack is going to be to the left of this your leads are going to be to the right of this your open cases are going to be below this card above this card is where you have your closed cases and your big pictures Mm-hmm. Um, and then on the other side, you have your draw stack, your victim cards, as well as where your uh, stability penalty and your time penalty are. 
Mm -hmm. So it's got these nice um, reference cards which allow you to set up the board and keep it keep your play organized, which when you're playing just a solo card game can get a little messy because you're 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 managing the leads, you're managing your cases, you're man and they're mm -hmm. you know, they can kind of get a little wild if you don't have any structure to it. Yeah. So that's a first impressions. Anything to add? No, oh, yeah, you, you hit it right in the head. Um, it is I do really enjoy the art in this. I know I talk about the art and everything. Yeah. That's who I am. Um, aesthetically, I mean, you do get the gritty, noir feeling. Um, I mean, it almost looks like uh, um, rubber stamps and some, some points of it, like the portraits, which is really cool. Um, but so what do you feel they did good with this, Justin? So, positive things about this is it is a clean solo game. Um, mm. I don't see any way that you could make this multiplayer. It's a nice little solitaire game, um, different than your you know fifty-two card solitaire. Mm. Um, they capture the creepy mystery mythos in the art and the cards because some of them are just people, some of them are creatures or things in the mythos, and it's based on three. This is case one that we, we demoed and, and reviewed, but there there's other cases, and this one was particularly based off of three of the short stories, so it's characters and, and locations mm -hmm. and objects that are kind of found within those stories. Yeah. So it does a really good job of keeping that theme and the narrative going. Um, icons are very, like once you've played it a few times, they're very easy to understand. The only ones is sometimes when you play the card, there's an action that, there are some of them that only come up on a few cards, mm. but they do give you a very clean reference card of like, here it is, here's all the icons that you're gonna see action-wise. Just figure out which one you have, and mm -hmm. here's like a two, two to three words of, oh, this is, this means draw from the, dis you know, take a card out of the discard pile, or take a card from here. Mm -hmm. So, or be able to, take the cards out of the time and shuffle them back in. You know, weird weird mm. little cookie mechanics, but they're all very useful. Yeah. Um, with the exception of all the bad stuff that can potentially have. So the good stuff is usually optional and it's colored gold and the bad stuff is black and it's mandatory. So usually the bad stuff you have to do no matter what. Mm. Sometimes those mandatory things are you can make them semi-beneficial because sometimes it's like discard a card from your hand and maybe you have a card that you just don't want to hold on to. Yeah. But you're holding on to it for that reason to be able to dump it later. Yeah. Or like they discard uh, one card from the leads row, which if you have a card that just is completely useless to what you're trying to do, right. it's nice to just purge it instead of having to deal with it later on. Yeah, so the whole thing is you're trying to solve these murder cases by linking the cards and they have an icon on left and right essentially to play a card in the case you have to match the icon to the um, on the left side of your card that you're playing to the right side of the card in the last last slot of the mm -hmm. case so you're kind of creating this connect the dots story yeah um with it and then so, ideally someone will have puzzle pieces on them and what mm -hmm. you're trying to do is you're trying to solve these cases by getting five story icons across the top, close the case, and then any puzzle pieces in that case that you closed 
become part of the quote-unquote big picture, which is mm -hmm. where you're trying to solve the occult mystery and things of that nature. And once you get enough big picture pieces, you win. Mm -hmm. But you can run out of victims, you can, which is essentially running out of time. You can run out of cards, which then makes more victims pop up, and you run out of victims again, you lose. Or um, like any Arkham game, there's a sanity-based mechanic mm -hmm. um, where you just become too unstable to even be a, an effective detective anymore. So it's got a little bit of give and take in there, which is nice. Mm -hmm. um, so that's, that's my good stuff. What do you got? I mean, you hit it all in the head. I mean, I really appreciate I mean, it's so simplistic that um, the only things that are actually written on the cards are, one, the reference cards, but they're reference cards. Right. Um, and then on the actual cards themselves, they'll have the name of characters. They'll have name uh, the name of location. of location. Yeah. Yeah. It's just so, what is the card is where yeah. all this. Yeah. So... Once you've learned the game, there is actually no translation or reading. It's all icon or icons, which is a good thing for it. Mm. But let's tip into the some of the criticisms here. Some of the criticisms, I mean, we both feel that it's... It, the rule book is rough to get through. Yeah. Um, because it's so icon heavy. Yeah. And then when you want to reference something later on, you have to reread the entire thing because... Um, which isn't a bad thing. Luckily, uh, the, it's a like two-sided, yeah. single-page rule book. So there, there's quite a bit. It's small text, by the way. It's yeah. like super small, but it's like a, a it's a double-sided one-sheeter. Mm -hmm. So you aren't flipping through like a forty-eight-page rule book. Yeah. So kudos to that. But um, everything is placed in there on it, when you may experience it for the first time. Correct. So you're reading it, and uh, like we had a question about. Um, when something's discarded, uh, when we, we qualify it uh, for the time. Time penalty yeah, versus... Yeah, time penalty. Uh, just straight discarding it. Versus straight discarding it versus using it as a sanity check. Yeah. Um, and it turns out that... The rule's in there. Yeah, but the it's rule's under... in their uh, action phase. Right. So... So the action phase is, you know, one of the two phases of the game. Essentially, it's action phase and maintenance phase. So action is... You do something with the first clue card, and that can be either taken into your hand, max hand size three, mm -hmm. play it into the open case. If you can connect the story, you can do that. Or you can discard it to play a card from your hand. Or you can discard it to close an open case. Or you can discard it and just pass. Mm -hmm. All those are viable options. So you, you, know, you pretty much are looking at that first card in the row and like, what am I doing with that? Are you spending it to do something else? But then in the maintenance phase, you might need to do a, what they call stability check or sanity check. Mm -hmm. And that's where you flip the top card. But if it has a sanity icon, it goes in the sanity pool penalty. And if it doesn't, mm -hmm. it gets discarded. But then you have to figure out, well, if it has a time penalty, if it's discarded, then it goes into the time penalty box instead. Yeah. And that's where, like, kind of we had to learn that order. Um, yeah. So it got a little bit trickier because the rules weren't very and I mean, clean. I mean, when you're looking at in the it, rule book. Yeah, when you're looking at the rule book, you could be Nothing. towards the very end of it, and you're looking at something, and it just says, uh, discard the first lead card, and then it'll say, see, discard, clue card. So you have to go back and remember that. And find where phase. that is again. Yeah. So, so um, rule book, once you understand the game, really you only need to reference it here and there with weird situations, but mm -hmm. ultimately, it takes a little bit of getting used to. Um, the other thing that we uh, we both talked about was um, there's no real lore 
it's 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 a skinned game. It feels like a skinned game. Mm -hmm. um, you can really put anything on these cards, and it'd be the game would feel exactly the same. Right. Um, you may have to change some of the verbiage in the rule book, but right. So, like, clue types, there's person of interest, a threat, an artifact, evidence, location, a monster. Yeah. Um, with those six different clue types, you know... This could be a Marvel game, this could be a Star yeah, Wars it, game. Person, this could... object, evidence, place, creature, danger. Like, yeah, we're very generic on those, which is a great thing, because this gives it kind of a... A, uh, a system or a platform that yeah, we could make other non-Arkham versions of this. Mm -hmm. um, you know, modern crime detective. Easy, you know, easy mm -hmm. translation. Um, it's just because it's like that sketchy 1920s era look and full of things like the object from the outside, which is a weird creature or weird like tentacle thing, or you might have the Arkham Sanitarium as a location. So that's where they pull in the theme, but unless you're actually looking at the names of these cards and point and seeing and like building your own narrative, it doesn't do it for you. Mm -hmm. um, not just saying that it has to, but you have to put the effort in to really get it. Yeah. Um, and the other thing that you brought this up, uh, Ricky, was the setup cards are very nice. However, you don't oh. know where you need to space them yeah, I, on I, the first couple times you set it up. Pet peeve of mine is uh, games that want you to set up from the outside in. I do appreciate because a lot of times when you look at the um, rule book on how to set something up, it's just the board already set up. Right. Whereas this one had it actually like labeled step A, step B, step C, step uh, right. You know, step D. But step D was put the five cards in the middle of it, but steps A through C are set up everything that's going to be All around that. Cards, so yeah. I would have rather have had it put these out. Yeah, place, and the, then, yeah. place the deck down. Put yeah. this reference card next to it. Put this card next to it. Next. And put out your four, five. Take out, take out the five cards that are leads, and now on the other side of those, at the end of the leads... <laughs> Put the other reference cards. Yeah, yeah, that would have cleaned it up just enough to make it a little bit easier to uh, um, manage. Yeah. Um, initial setup, your first couple games are going to be rough. Once you've played a few times, you kind of get a decent idea of the spatial. Mm -hmm. And the nice thing about the spatial thing, and it's kind of weird. Like I to set it up, it's obnoxious, but once it's set up, it's such a beautiful setup in the sense that your leads are. Uh, your victim cards are directly under the reference card. You have five mm -hmm. leads that go to the right of that. And that's where you build your story. And the sixth slot is your deck or your mm -hmm. draw pile. And you play leads left to right and you keep building. And as soon as you play your seventh card in a, in a case, which is now past your draw mm -hmm. deck, so you have this nice visual line. And once you get there, you have to make a sanity check for each additional card on top of whatever else it does. Mm -hmm. So there's some visual clues in the setup that really tell you how to, like, to remind you how to play the game, essentially. So kudos on that, honestly. Yeah. It was a really nice way of uh, building it. Um, this is a game I would bring for traveling. Yeah. I would definitely it, suggest it's, it. It's yeah. a deck of cards. That's all it is. I don't, 
I don't I need the rule it, book or manual, and the box is twice the size that it needs. Yeah, I would I would go get like a a little deck box, deck box for like magic or whatever. Or if I had two cases, if I got the sequel and and, and got two cases, mm. take the insert out, ban both decks, and now you have two cases put together. So I am going to talk about the sequel or case number two. Yeah. Before we get into who we suggested for, and since you brought that up. Uh, the only thing that's going to be different that it looks like between one and two are going to be the art on the cards and then the. Um, your professional contact. Yeah. Which so, is your like once per game ability that you can play, which you can use the once per game ability of any professional contact from any set you own. Mm -hmm. So that's transferable. But case one, the witch cult murders, mm -hmm. the victims in the deck. Are fixed. You can't blend it with the expansion. The expansion yeah. has to use its own thing, and that is because there's a particular makeup of clues and keys and types of cards. So I get kind mm -hmm. of the reasoning behind it, but you're right. There's not going to be a huge swing difference. It's just going to be slightly different variants of the cards you already have. So you might as well, if you I, are looking at buying one. Buy one based on whoever that contact is going to be, because that's... That's your difference. Yeah. The combination of cards may shift a little bit. Like, this one's um, a little bit heavy in the evidence, locations, and people. Mm -hmm. Not so much on the artifacts or monsters, so, like, the next one might be heavier. Mon like, that yeah. may be shifted a little bit. Like, less people, more monsters, or less people, more artifacts, or less locations. Like... That's what's going to change. Yeah. Um, the other thing is interesting is there is um, two of the reference, uh, all the reference cards are double-sided. And I'm not sure if it's a good or bad thing, but um, you can set up your difficulty based on which sides of the cards you're playing. So to win, there's either, you have to have either five or six big picture cards. So you can choose... Mm -hmm. How far do you need to get progress in the game? Likewise, the penalty box or these uh, your time penalty and your stability penalty can either be five or more cards in them, or six or more cards in them. Mm -hmm. um, the stability penalty, if you have when you hit that limit, the game's over. You've gone crazy. The time penalty is literally another case opens up because someone else just came up dead. Mm -hmm. um, but if there's nobody left in your victim pile to, then it's game to over. add, then it's game over. Yeah. So, you know, you only have so much time or cards or actions before game over. Yeah. So, overall, um, what's your final thoughts on this one? It's an interesting standalone game. Mm -hmm. um, I would play it if it was anything other than Arkham as well. Um, as an Arkham game or as an HP Lovecraft type game. Um, I, I don't see it standing out compared to, and I mean, we're, we're tainted because we're Fantasy Flight boys, unfortunately. When it uh, comes to the Arkham games, they, they do well. Um, yeah. There's some other ones, like uh, Death May Die was a lot of fun, but it had a different flavor, different feel. Mm -hmm. I do love the art on it. I do love the idea of the game. Um, and it, it's cheap enough to throw into your, your lineup. Um, and like you were saying, mm -hmm. it's a great traveling game. 
Right. I mean, the only thing that you're going to need is space. The, the setup is about the size of a, an actual solitaire game. Yep. So uh, it doesn't get that much bigger and than they're that. they're narrow American-sized cards, not your standard playing cards, so they're a little bit narrower. Mm. And you need to play six, seven, eight, like nine cards wide mm -hmm. at most. And maybe like four or five cards high. Yeah. So not a huge table. Like a tray table is enough. And honestly, if you need to squish the cards a little bit tighter, you can get away with it. That is what it is. Um, I enjoy it as a nice little solitaire game. It's nothing mind-blowing or game-breaking or yeah. like rush out, buy, 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 buy. Mm -hmm. Um it has a nice low low ish price point. It's it's over ten dollars, but it's under twenty. Mm. So it, it's in a nice little suite. Like you can pick this up and play it a handful of times and not feel guilty that that's all you got out of it. Mm. Um, your mileage doesn't have to go very far on this one. It is challenging. I do appreciate that it is. While as a solo game, it is tough. It's super tough. Um, there's some other solo games out there that are, are just as tough, but they have a lot more variance within them. Mm -hmm. Like, honestly, like One Deck Dungeon and um, Hostage Negotiator as mm -hmm. solo games are a little bit more variant, a little bit more lively than this one is. But it all depends what type of mood you're into. Mm -hmm. If you want to get into the grim, dark, noir, um, light a match and let it burn down your fingers just to feel something... Um, then yeah, Arkham Noir is going to be a, a game for you. Um, if you're looking for sustenance out of a game, unfortunately, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, it's almost like playing with a deck of cards, like a, yeah. a normal like uh, um, like bicycle deck of cards. Yeah. Um, only difference is just the art. So the art, the theme. Yeah. How you manipulate the game is a little different, which I appreciate, but ultimately, it's a simple solitaire game. Yeah. This one, just like uh, regular solitaire, will probably win more often than lose Yeah, uh, against you. So you're definitely on an uphill battle. I think I'm at maybe a 20% win rate with it, personally. I'm at a 0%, and I'm not afraid to admit that. Yeah. It was a rough few goes. I even, when we, when, before we started recording this, I even had you play for me just to make sure I wasn't doing something the wrong up the rules and then somewhere. i'm watching i'm like oh no okay no, no it's just it's just hard it's just tough yeah yeah you got to manage everything at once and you sometimes it because of the deck mm -hmm. kind of like a your 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 bicycle 52 card solitaire like you don't get the right cards you don't get the right cards and you're just gonna lose yeah this one unfortunately unlike uh, uh solitaire um you don't really realize it until you're way too far in. Yeah. So, not necessarily a terrible thing, but kind of wish you would know that you're, you have no chance before you wasted that, you know, 10, 15 extra minutes on it. Mm. It is relatively fast unless you go into that long long con. Yeah. So, who, uh, who would you suggest this for? Uh... Traveling Lovecraft fans that don't want to drag um, huge amounts of cards and just kind of want to have something pocket-sized with them. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, um, I would recommend a standalone scenario with a Arkham LCG deck. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe take 100 cards, a Chaos Bag, and go. Yeah. Um, that's going to be a little bit easier. 
um, and a lot more narrative fun than this. Um, yeah, and you know, I'm I'm almost there because I would suggest this for people who are hardcore H.P. Lovecraft fans, and it's not hardcore. I can't get enough of H.P. Lovecraft stories, but people who read the books enough that want to see what these characters may look like or what these mm. places may look like. Because mostly what you're getting with this is the art. There's, yes. there's nothing really more than that. Um, so I wouldn't suggest it for someone who is a big fan of the LCGs or, yeah. or pretty much wants mm-hmm. a story to go along with their game. This is just... Hey, I've got a little time to waste. I'm not really looking to read or engage my brain or anything. I just want to play this game. Right. It's a it's a puzzle you can poke at, mm-hmm. but don't look at it for substance or story. Mm-hmm. So if you you know that's who I would not recommend this for is someone who needs more narrative or needs something to actually like. Ah, this is what this is what I'm doing. Like this, mm-hmm. you have to come up with your story on your own. Yeah. Um, it's almost like playing like Magic the Gathering. Like, mm-hmm. like okay, I do this, which makes me allowed to cast this, which makes me summon these goblins, which makes me do this. Like, you kind of just have to do that in order to get that narrative feel on this. Um, theme, it's there in the art, but that's where it's at, and that's where it stops. Mm-hmm. Um, it's all right. I would not, like I said, I would not rush out and suggest everybody on the market you know should buy this game if it sounds interesting to you and you like a you know solo puzzle to to noodle around and don't mind not having a lot of uh meat on the bones mm-hmm. yeah this is good yeah um if you're looking for something more move along and pick up the lcg arkham horror or mm-hmm. or um one deck dungeon if you're looking for a solid solo pocket you know travel game or if you're looking for um hostage negotiator for like another again variant travel game hostage negotiator has its own flaws um which we'll probably do a review on that one later on but Mm. and we touched on them briefly during our traveling episode way way back in the day Mm -hmm. but yeah that's definitely because i know that they came out with a sequel to it Last Gen Con, um, or was that... Well, Crime Wave hit, I think it was two years ago now, and then they just did a Kickstarter last summer. That's what um, it was. Which is the career, almost campaign mm-hmm. story arc one, which is still yet to ship. Should be sometime this year. So, probably when that comes out, we'll do the review for that, um, mm-hmm. with all the different expansions and options on it. Because that's kind of the complete package at that point. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, that wraps up Arkham Noir. Unless you have any other final thoughts? No. Uh... All right. So, um, as always, if you're looking to hunt a killer and oh, yeah. do something like that, um, they're a fun subscription box. You can always use the code Arcanum to get a discount on it. Um, we've been routinely more active on our socials this year than uh, our last year. So... Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Am I missing one? No, I think that's it. I mean, also our email address. Email. Uh, you can always re- reach out to us, tabletoparcanum at gmail.com. Yep. Otherwise, everything is always going to be tabletoparcanum. We don't play around with adding extra fun underscores, letters, anything like that. Yep. No cute way of playing around with it. Um, 
But otherwise, uh, our next episode, we are looking at Scythe. Yeah. It's been around. Yeah, We've Scythe been around. by uh, Jamie Stegmeyer and Stonemeyer Games. Um, last summer, I got to do the whole uh, Rise of Fenris campaign. So, it's a lot of fun. Um, but we'll dive into what's good, what's bad, who we recommend it for, who we don't. Mm. Um, next time on our next episode. So... I think that's about it, isn't it? Nah, that's that's it. All right. Well, this has been Justin and Ricky, and uh, I mean, if you really want noir, don't don't stand in the shadows over there, being all awkward. No. But it's how I feel, Justin. It's twenty twenty. We're in, we're living in full color. No. No, we're not. It's night. It's the twenties all over again. No, no, the Roaring Twenties. We're back into Noir Town. Woo! Or honestly, you know, episode fifty coming up soon. Oh yes. Don't forget to submit your questions to Tabletop Arcanum at any one of those mentionable socials. Until next time, thanks for listening. <laughs>